from the basement of Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's the Siggy Lama Show, starring Sigmund Lamar. Welcome, everybody. This is Sigmund Lamar, your host for the Siggy Lama Show, starring me. What is this Siggy Lama Show you've downloaded? Well, you've started in the right place. This is the Hear Me 1.0 episode. What is that? Well, there's my conceit. If you've ever downloaded some software, perhaps installed a CD-ROM, and uh, instead of using the um, auto-installer or the install.bat file, that's what it was? Is that what it was? Install.exe? I don't know, something like that. And if you poked it around in the uh, file system there, you would find, uh, in all caps, nice and friendly, introducing itself to you like a friendly neighbor, the readme file. Probably a readme.txt file. Readme.txt, as we say in the biz. And uh, that's what you open up to find out what it is you've gotten yourself into by having this thing. And so now... If you're coming to the Siggy Lama show starring me, Sigmund Lamar, at any point in this run, uh, which might be several, many years by this point, depending on when you're listening to this and how many episodes I have done at this point in time, uh, you, the listener, could start at the most recent episode, but I'll probably have created a whole world, a whole universe uh, a mythology that's too complex to just jump into the middle. It would be like coming into the middle of uh, uh, Downton Abbey, I guess, which is why I don't come into the middle of Downton Abbey if I walk in the room and Mrs. Lamar is listening to the show while she does her knitting. She doesn't watch television. That's below her. I she I would say, what's going on there, there in, the, in the Downton? And she would say... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm concentrating on my knitting. So, uh, you know, don't you wish there was a, a Watch Me 1.0 episode that you could go to to uh, sort of orient you to the world of Downton Abbey? Because there's no other way you're going to find out what the heck's going on or who the butler is and whatnot. So instead of trying to figure that out while jumping in the middle or starting way back at the beginning, which takes a lot of time because each episode you have to listen to in real time. Instead, what if there was the one episode you could go and listen to that sets it all straight? And that's what this is. This is the Hear Me 1.0 episode. I don't think I need to explain why it's called Hear Me and not Read Me. Do I? No? Thank you. Let's move on. So... What is this all about? As any podcast uh, that involves a host and no co-host, um, it's going to be about what the host likes, probably. And what does the host like? Well, this first episode is going to focus on something very dear to me, something I'm obsessed with uh, to various degrees, something that consumes a lot of my thought and attention if not as much time as I would like. That is the thing I'm saying being Blood Bowl. So what is Blood Bowl? Well, why do I like... I'll tell you what is Blood Bowl by telling you what it is I likes about Blood Bowl. It's a game with many dimensions to it, many facets. I'm going to use a metaphor, may I, please? A seven-layer cake. Imagine a seven-layer cake called Blood Bowl 
Uh, it's not in a bowl. Cake is usually served in a plate. And um, it might be a red velvet cake, which might resemble blood, but that's neither here nor there. So what are the seven layer cakes? Well, the number one, the base layer for me is the theme. Let me tell you a little story. There was a, a mall that my friends and I would go to. Um, so I'm from the south suburbs of Chicago. And there was a, kind of our shopping community down there was uh, Orland Park. Orland Park had the big mall for the area, the Orland Mall. Um, and, of course, we'd go there shopping. And uh, across the way from that mall, which was a very successful mall, uh, somebody had the bright idea, and apparently he did this in several cities uh, in the Chicagoland area. He would find a successful mall, and then across the street from it, he would build a, a new mall, thinking he would somehow leech off of their success, or um, uh, without realizing that the reason people go to malls is because they don't want to have to go anywhere else, I guess. So uh, this mall, which I believe was called the Century Mall, the new Century Mall, was basically a ghost mall for, for years and years. It had a couple anchor stores, uh, had like a Kohl's and uh, a sports authority or something like that. And then a whole bunch of, uh, well, no, a handful of uh, odds and ends stores and then um, a whole lot of empty storefronts. So it was like whole wings of it were just completely, I don't, I'd say abandoned, except they were never occupied. And it was, uh, you know, before any of us could drive, um, it was a real uh, to-do to try to convince your parents to take you over to the crappy Century Mall so that we could go to Gamer's Paradise. That was the name of the store. And uh, we'd get our parents to take us to Gamer's Paradise so we could get games, believe it or not, and get our uh, uh, role-playing game modules, our Dungeons and Dragons modules, uh, Marvel Superheroes, which was my preferred uh, role-playing system. And uh, it was kind of like a Spencer's Gifts in that there was also a section with, like, uh, nudie shot glasses and, um, you know, like, sex board games and, you know, like, uh, uh, where's my panties? Or I don't know, whatever they were called. Um, and uh, uh, and then they would have, uh, you know, more like more expensive games. I remember they had a Neo Geo. The only Neo Geo I ever saw uh, was in that store. Um, you know, and you just marvel at how this thing, which looked a little bit better than Nintendo, uh, I guess a lot better than Nintendo, but not four times as good as Nintendo, which was how the price was relative to it. Anyway, uh, they had all that stuff, and then they had sort of more expensive stuff, including all this Games Workshop stuff. So we eventually um, started getting into... Um, well, we, we dipped our toes into uh, Warhammer 40K. I, I bought a box of squats and a couple blisters of the biker figures. Uh, never won a single battle, but I did enjoy that army quite a bit. Um, and we'd been going there for a little bit when uh, uh, a box was on the shelf. It caught my eye. So this was around 1987. And there on the shelf was this thing called Blood Bowl. And the artwork... Uh, was of a bunch of monsters playing football, which was amazing. And there was uh, there was a giant ogre holding under his arm a goblin, if my mind's eye recalls this correctly, 
Um, and the goblin's holding a football, and there's a bunch of humans and uh, an elf and a dwarf trying to tackle him. And uh, and even the, the art on the back of the box was even better. It was a little more cartoony. On the front, it was like painted. But on the back, it was uh, these line drawings um, where it really emphasized like these huge shoulder pads and these enormous spikes sticking out of them. And it was just kind of ridiculous and super colorful. Um, uh, who could forget the first time you saw the Bright Crusaders with their silly asymmetrical design um, of their uniforms. And so I just like, I just knew I had to have this thing. And uh, uh, the weird thing is the, the artwork that really struck me, the detail that struck me on the front of that box was a skeleton uh, with a helmet, a football helmet. And that really struck me more than anything. Just the idea of a skeleton playing football. Um, oddly enough, I have never, from 1987 to now, played any form of undead team in Blood Bowl. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Um, so, you know, just so this here's the theme, you know, and then you you get the book. I I got my parents condom into getting it for me for Christmas, and the rule book had this kind of silly uh, vibe to it. You know, it didn't take itself too seriously. It was it was perfect. It had a sense of humor. It was obviously satirizing or uh, parodying. Uh, the National Football League in very recognizable ways uh, and also in some ways that I didn't get until uh, decades later. Um, you know, I always read it as Tomalandry, the undying. I never, I didn't get the Tom Landry pun there. But nonetheless, you can see the appeal even furthermore for a teenage boy watching football and uh, fantasizing more than was healthy wouldn't it be awesome if these players were actually trying to kill each other while playing this violent game? When, uh, you know, that middle linebacker puts a good lick on the quarterback and rings his bell, as we'd say back then, if he's, uh, you know, could actually take his head off. So um, having already kind of used football to satiate a gladiatorial thirst uh, the, the the theme of uh, Blood Bowl really appealed in that way as well. So really, that's that's a big hook of the game. Uh, and I think not just for me, I think there's a lot of people who don't even care that much about other aspects of actually playing the game, but the theme is strong enough that it keeps them coming back for more, which who can blame them? Uh, so that's the first layer. Second layer. Tactical gameplay. So tactical gameplay in second edition was pretty awful, but now we're in Living Rule Bowl's, Living Living Rule Book Six, in which the tactical gameplay is pretty great. Um, it's you know, if you haven't played the game, it's like chess, but with zones of control and uh, risk management and. Um, uh, football related actions. I don't know, but, uh, you could spend a lot of time and people do, uh, really kind of diagnosing, uh, positions. It's a very positional game and what's the optimal play from any, any one position. So if you want to nerd on it that way, nerd out on it that way, you, you can, and, and people do, um, and then there's the strategic gameplay of between games from game to game, how you develop your team, 
over time, what skills you assign, how you build your roster, how you make use of your resources. That leads into the role-playing aspect of the game, where over time your team has a story. Uh, individual players have stories. You know, you can give them names, you can give them background stories about you know how this team formed, how individual players joined the team. Uh, you know, give them awesome nicknames, uh, or they can accumulate nicknames as to reflect their uh, on-the-field exploits. You can you craft a story of the whole team as it goes on, like the, uh, you know, just like, just like you would for your your favorite football team. You can track the course of their championships, their ups, their downs. Uh, again, if they're a lousy team, you just make that part of the story. If you're playing lousy, then the the team's just having a lousy streak, and you can make up some funny reason why, like they all uh, started eating magic mushrooms or something. I don't know. Come up with something better than that. Wish I could. And that's really the part of the game that I think I enjoy the most is is the role-playing, uh, which is why I still prefer league play over tournament play, although um, I think other some geniuses out there, like Extreme of the Zlurpcast podcast, have uh, kind of revealed to me how you can use tournaments your tournament career to build a, a, a narrative, like a role-playing kind of narrative. So, uh, but you know, in the, in the league play role-playing is kind of built in as long as you have any kind of inclination and imagination for it. So that's the fourth layer. We've done theme, tactical gameplay, strategic gameplay, role-playing. Now the fifth, sixth and seventh are the hobby aspects. So, these parts aren't even playing the game. Some people like these, and the whole reason they played the game is because, uh, you know, they would describe themselves as being terrible at the game and losing far more often than winning, but they enjoy the hobby part of it so much, uh, which kind of ties into the theme, putting together a team of miniatures of monsters playing football and just making it look awesome. Um, you know, the first part of that is just the selecting... The miniatures. If you did nothing else, just sort of the 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 taste that you display by the miniatures you select by the shopping. You know, you maybe you buy a whole uh, team assembled. Maybe you put them together from different parts. You uh, you know you assemble pieces from different manufacturers, from different product lines. Uh, you know, try to get unique poses for each player. Uh, just, you know, just how you present the team based on the selection of figures to represent each position and to represent your race says something about you uh, as a as a player. So, you know, people put a lot of thought just into the selection of the miniatures themselves, which I think is really great. And I really appreciate when uh, you're playing someone else and they have taken a lot of care in assembling their team. And, uh, you know, and it's also a facet of good sportsmanship with making a team that's going to be very recognizable to the other player. And I think that's just, um, just another thing that makes this game kind of special to me is that sportsmanship is really emphasized. Um, so I, hmm, community, that's an eighth layer. I'm adding another layer to my cake, the community. There is a really awesome community around this game, not only in the tournament scene, but also the online resources 
talkfantasyfootball.org, thenaf.net. Could I think of others? Possibly. But just a lot of great people who I think play the game for the right reasons. There's the painting. So many people collect the miniatures and don't paint them themselves, and that's fine. Uh, but the act of painting them is, uh, or just the selection of the team colors, the the working on your technique of painting, or you know if you have uh, pride, money, and lack of ability or time, then you know you can outsource your painting, and that's great too. But that's a, a big part of the taking pleasure in your team and trying to give pleasure to your opponent. Certainly when I'm painting my miniatures, I'm really thinking about the experience of my opponent during the game and hoping hoping to give them a good one as well as for myself. Uh, and then lastly, I'd say the most sort of advanced one in that uh, you can tell how hardcore someone is with the hobby part of the game is converting, um, which is miniature selection on steroids, uh, it might mean combining several miniatures just to make one one figure, but really trying to make your team as unique as possible. So, you know, in the world of Blood Bowl teams, you'll have one that no one else has. That's what unique means, in case you didn't know. So I've clarified that for you. You're welcome. So that's the, uh, the eight-layer cake. It's a seven-layer cake. Um... You know, I said it's going to be served on a plate. I'm going to say the community is the plate. It's the foundation on which the whole experience of the game rests because you can't play it by yourself unless you're playing the cyanide game, artificial intelligence, in which case you can do that, I guess. All right. No more said about that. So uh, that's why I love the game. Those are all the reasons I love the game. I love every part of that. Uh, converting the least, I have done a little bit. Um, I probably won't be doing too much in the future. Um, I'm more of a miniature selection and painting kind of guy, and I don't paint that often. But I do enjoy it when I do it. It just takes a lot of time. Got to have some good podcasts to listen to while you're painting. Hey! Maybe that's what you're doing right now. Maybe you were saying, I have so much painting to do. Six Blood Bowl podcasts aren't enough. I wish Tackle Zone Radio would come back. Oh, no, that's never going to happen. Will it? Won't it? Who knows? Well, I have come to your rescue. Now you can finish off that last highlight on all the knee pads on all of your hobgoblins. If your hobgoblins have knee pants, are there many out there that do? I don't know. All right. So I've told you what this show is about. At least season one is about that, Blood Bowl, and why I like it, and why you might too. I hope that was edifying or illuminating or some other adjective. So what can you expect? You won't expect this. This is the Hear Me 1.0 episode, as I have told you ad nauseum. Future episodes, such as the very next one and all the ones after that, will consist of... I'm going to do a song 
every episode, I'm going to try to make it a song I've written because I like to write songs and I don't have anywhere else to play them. So my podcast seems like a pretty good venue for that. So sometimes there'll be new songs. Sometimes there'll be older songs from one of my old bands. And so you'll get to listen to that. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy those. I notice other podcasts tend to play, even when they're musical-themed podcasts, like Sound Opinions, which is all about music. And, you know, I listen to it once in a while just to find out about stuff I don't know. Even they don't play the entire song. They cut it off after a minute or so. And I find that I find I find I find that very aggravating. <laughs> uh, so when I hear a song, I want to hear the whole thing. If I didn't want to hear this whole thing, I would skip over this part of the podcast. Um, so I hope it doesn't bother you. You've listened to me talking already for twenty something minutes. That's unbelievable. So if you can do that you can listen to a three minute song even if you only think it's mediocre it's probably still better than me talking so give it a try open your mind um and then some kind of segment like a cartoon i'm going to try to do a cartoon every once in a while i'm calling it a cartoon serialized story so lots of cliffhangers Stuff like that. It's going to be great. So there you have it. What else can I say? This is the Hear Me 1.0 episode of the Siggy Lama Show starring Sigmund Lamar. That's what it is. What else could it be? Could it become something else? Could we end season one and continue with a Hear Me 2.0? which would introduce a second season, which has a slightly or greatly different theme and configuration? Hmm. Let's find out together. You've been listening to The Siggy Lama Show, starring Sigmund Labar. You can find us on Twitter at Siggy Lama, just like it's spelled. Quote the great poet Ogden Nash A 1L Lama is a priest, a 2L Lama is a beast. But I would bet a silk pajama, there's no such thing as a 3L Lama. Isn't that all you need to know? Come back next month, subscribe to us, leave a review on iTunes. There'll be a lot less talking next time. Just plain talking. We're going to have some good stuff for you next time. Some real delicious treats. We'll bring you sweet things from our candy jar, just like the fabulous Thunderbirds covering Sam and Dave. So until then, and up till now, We thank you for your kind attention. And what I liked about it, 
and present tense still do, is deleting a whole bunch of shit from the middle of this speech. So look forward to that. Cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> 